Hi, I'm Curtis Herbert. I'm Alice Zhao. And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living on the App Store. Or, well, usually we're panicking a lot and we're taking a break to talk about it and look like we know what we're doing. But, you know, that's kind of revealing the curtain. Revealing the curtain? Is that what we're talking about? We're pulling open no, the curtain. We're talking, not Scary. pulling open the curtain, we're talking about pulling rugs from underneath the users today. We're magicians, is that what you're saying? <laughs> what, but what, I don't want to just pull out the rug. What I want to do is I want to be that magician that pulls the tablecloth off and leaves all the dishes standing perfectly, not the amateur magician that like tries to pull that, you know, the drunk uncle at your parties that tries to pull the tablecloth off and now all of a sudden everyone has pie on their face. That's what I want to avoid doing to my users in about a month. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. And I'm sure that all makes sense to the listeners. They're keeping pace. So no, specifically though, we talked a couple fortnights ago, as they say down under, <laughs> that, <laughs> about the idea of shipping new features versus changing existing features versus uh, even the idea of removing features. I don't think we touched on that one so much. But the idea that our apps are always changing. And with change comes users having to adapt to that change. And as we've seen a lot online, that can be very difficult. Users get used to what we've been providing them. You know, see any time Facebook updates their feed or Instagram went yeah. non-chronological or anything like that. So obviously guiding the users along with kind of your intention and your grand vision can kind of make or break these changes to your product. And you have to change your product. It can't stay the same. It's You're yeah. going to have new ideas and you have to change things. So that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. Pulling the rug out and not messing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like continuing to see the visual, and it's just I'm I'm just that drunk uncle apparently that just feels. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not so much the drunk uncle as I just come in and I I, I just like just knock Do things just off flip the table. The table. <laughs> like, am I a cat? Like I just like there's no rug. The rug's still just... there, and just everything else has fallen over. It's just like it's just I'm I'm here to mess your biz up. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so the goal is, I think we could all agree that the goal when we change these features and we get new users to use them and kind of what we're talking about through this episode is the idea of minimizing that potential blowback from the users. Oh, yeah. uh, those users, you know, some of them are always going to hate change and there's not much we can do, but we can put a lot of forethought into the feature itself and how we communicate that feature to our users uh, once it launches. And I'm right now, as we record, in the middle of prepping what could be kind of a big change to my business model. I'm going to go out on a limb and pretend that I'm going to blog about this before this episode comes out. So hopefully go read the blog post. <laughs> but to bring people up to speed, I'm removing my trip pass, which used to be bound to one week of skiing. And I'm now replacing it with a bundle of day passes. And I think that's going to be a lot more flexible for people. It's average selling price is going to be a little bit higher, and I'm worried about that. Of course, indies are scared to charge money. But I think it's going to work overall as a good deal for most people. And I think it's going to, for a lot of people that were hesitant to buy passes, uh, it's going to encourage people to buy passes now because it's going to kind of go with how people do their ski seasons. And for me, a lot of that idea came from the research phase. So what do you two do when you're researching a potential new idea or even how to communicate that idea? How how do you go about that? Most of the planning that I do in regards to when I'm making a change comes when I'm actually developing the feature because I feel like that's really important. Thinking through what the change is going to be is going to somewhat 
define how I make that move. And part of making that move is going to define what the feature is going to be. So it's all intermingled and tangled up like spaghetti. So it's PHP code. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I've got coming up, which I just, I don't stop talking about, but apparently I can't friggin' release it, is my big upcoming 2.0. There are a lot of changes there and there, there's a couple of big ones. And part of the planning for both the stuff that the user sees and the stuff that the user doesn't see is figuring out how to take them across. So for the stuff the user doesn't see, it's like a planning of how am I going to make the changes in the back end to the data that they like that I'm I'm storing so that it continues to work and they don't have to think about it. That applies to some of the sync changes that I'm making with the introduction of iCloud because you know there's a lot of differences between things like iCloud and Dropbox and how they sync and how they work and so I've got to make sure that when I make that transition that I'm bringing their data along for the users though which is more appropriate to this actual topic I'm making changes to the UI huge significant changes to how things are laid out and how things are set up and they are definitely better but when they open the app and they're not expecting it they're going to be I've got to be able to bring them along for the ride and so I've been planning all along, like, how am I going to do that? And it's it's something that I've been thinking about throughout the entire process of designing and developing and putting everything in together so that it makes sense to what when the when the user actually, you know, opens the app, the new app for the first time. So I got kind of two points out of that. One of them is that you're trying to think through things such that you minimize the impact of the change on the user where you can. There will be impact. But if you can, you'll sacrifice some development or something like that to make it such that that migration is minimally painful as you can do. Oh, absolutely. And then second, it seems like, I guess more of a follow-up question than an actual point that you made, sorry, was uh, <laughs> what do you do? You're saying that the for the users, you want to make sure it makes sense to them when they open up the new app. What context do you try and fill that in, though? Like, how do you bridge the gap? Because what sense, what makes sense to them is the current implementation. That's what they've sure. gotten familiar with. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you're saying that it makes sense to them, can you dig into that a little bit? How do you bridge that sense between what they're used to and what you're trying to get them used to? So I, I think your two points, one of which is a question, are actually the same point. I'm like the honesty. ultimate, I'm the reverse <laughs> of the conference person who's like, not really a question, but a comment. Uh, except I actually just asked a question by accident. It's just a really, yeah. So, I mean, they, they might not be tangled together in your brain, but they just certainly are in mine because the basic gist of it is I don't want them to have to deal with it at all. If I possibly can, every change will just like slide on by Magic. and they won't even notice yeah. that it changed. That's my ultimate goal. If they don't have to see anything, I won't make them see anything. Mm -hmm. So in the case of like background stuff, that's really easy because I can just basically set up some code to migrate stuff across and do the changes and everything is oblivious to the user unless something goes horribly awry. Hopefully not. In the case of something that's UI though, it's the same concept, but obviously there's going to be a change. Like the user's going to notice. It's not like they're just like sort of sure. blind to what's going on in the UI. But... The approach that I've taken with that is to make sure that when I'm in the planning stage, when I'm researching, when I'm kind of thinking about the design and the changes that I'm going to make, it's to make it so that it still, like it's different, but it still feels... Keep a familiarity. Yeah. And I'm going to slow my roll. One of the design decisions that I made early on was gift wrapped is very dark. Most of the uh, user interface is pretty dark, but... For a long time, the uh, search field has been basically bright white. 
there's no reason for it to be bright white. It's just that it, that's kind of how it ended up. With the new design changes and the stuff that I'm doing, like a lot of other stuff has changed. And in spe- like specifically in conversations with designer friends, they suggested that I tone that down a little bit. Like, let's just like bring that down. But part of the reason, and this might not even actually be a good reason or a bad reason, it's just a reason that I've decided to keep it the same color is to so that it catches people's attention. Because people search for GIFs both in their library, but mostly online, all the time. That is right. one of the most used user interface elements. It's so making sure that I still bring attention to this is where it is now, as well as w- without it being like too full on, and making sure that it's very clear that you can search everything at once. That's the approach that I've taken with like making with it's a design thing. And it's a very simple, very basic sort of like, let's not even think about it design thing. Mm-hmm. But it's a conscious thing that I've decided to do in order to make sure that it still feels like it, it captures enough attention that it's like, okay, well, this is where I do this now. And it's not that it wouldn't be clear otherwise. Like I could probably tone it down and it would still be very clear sure. that like it's, I mean, it's still labeled as a search mm-hmm. thing, but I wanted to make it very obvious and I wanted to make it make sure that it was very familiar and it still felt the same. So like some of the design stuff I've kept very much the same, even though it's not necessarily better. And then over time I can bring, I can make that change later on yeah. and bring that down. And once everybody's kind of gotten used to it, I've kind of avoided <laughs> like making changes because we didn't make a change in the app necessarily. We just created a new one and <laughs> kind of made it easier that way. But still making a change. Right, right. It's a huge, I mean, it's a huge, mostly different apps, still languages, just an extension. So even the nav is, totally different but technically it wasn't like a complete rug pull (laughs) we'll call it that you would expect it to look quite different because it's a completely different app yeah i guess you do that advantage yeah yeah Yeah, so like i didn't have to quite like think through would they be comfortable like we tried to maintain some of the similar concepts that like they're traveling somewhere there's an gus the owl he makes you feel happy and safe (laughs) he's on my refrigerator now yeah So I think in terms of like bringing branding into it, just that that part, we try to be very conscious of keeping some of the magic of the original app into something that's a lot more substantial in terms of the content. Because mm. there's there's magic in the first one. It works really well. <laughs> Teach and But then you're going into, you know, from vocabulary to grammar and stories. And that felt like we had to make a lot yeah. of difficult deci- design decisions. So as as Less about like changing things up within the app and, and making them feel out of place and then just giving them a more like an updated version or a more advanced version of what they're used mm. to. I guess that is one nice advantage of having a new SKU. <laughs> when people update the app overnight, they don't expect a massive change. But if they download a new app, you still want to keep it familiar, like you're saying, with the owl everywhere and like keep the branding there. But people are more apt to expect change then because they realize it's a new download. Right, right. But we did do, well, back to your point about research, we did do at least a survey and like talk to a lot of different teachers about what they expected from like something like this, like something with stories and something with grammar. I think we try to do our due diligence that way because we don't have a whole lot of data. Uh, we haven't, we didn't use a lot of um, analytics for the first one just because there's a whole lot of issues with privacy um, and kids. So we're like, let's just avoid that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I feel sometimes that that's like a, a scapegoat too. <laughs> we're like, oh, we, we, we're trying to be safe and, 
And so we haven't done a whole lot of analytics on that side. <laughs> so instead, we just went directly to the users that we could reach out to, which is our mailing list. Um, so we don't have an account system in inside the app, um, but we do have the users we've captured through our website and the, the things that they are downloading from there. And so we've got we got quite a lot of responses, which was great. So I'd like to say we did our research there. <laughs> it wasn't completely blind. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in the past I've tried to use kind of Jelly's idea of incremental changes and my new kind of build system I've talked about in the past where I'm just releasing features as they're ready has been helpful because I don't have to bundle them you know, I have plans to maybe redesign the recording screen and all these things, but like, yeah. I don't need one big November launch. I can just launch this change to yeah. my in-app purchase scheme as its own standalone thing. So everything else stays familiar. And then it's just this one feature they need to learn. Or in the past, you know, I launched my new editor and that's just kind of a massive upgrade to an existing feature. So they had to learn how the new controls work, but it was conceptually still the same thing where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm editing my day. Instead of now just being able to cut off the tail ends, like I can edit in the middle and it got more powerful as a result. But with this one, I've been spending a lot of time in research. Really thankful I added sync because I could run all kinds of SQL queries yeah. to figure out how people were using my app. And that's kind of what drove this change was kind of all that research to be like, hey, I might be able to offer a better in-app purchase setup than what I was doing with the day in the trip pass. Uh, that's kind of where the bundles came from was just a lot of research into my database spelunking, just checking in against anonymous user data to be like, yeah, cool. I could do this and more people might like me, but I'm definitely afraid that more people will hate me because <laughs> it's uh, some of the SQL queries. It's like, okay, well, there will be some people that this might cost more money for. And some people will get a better value, definitely, but some people might get a worse value. So I'm like, it's hard to predict that. Yeah, that, that's the problem with making changes anyway, is that there are going to be people who love it. Yeah. And there are going to be people who hate it. There's always going to be the spectrum. You just got to hope that like the weight of the people that love it right. outnumbers the weight of the people that hate it. And I think based on my queries, the potential for that is good. Yeah. I think overall, most people are going to be very happy with this change. There will just be some people who don't buy the season pass, but relied on like trip passes a lot that might feel like they're paying a couple more bucks per season. And look, in a situation like the one that you have, I feel like there are ways that you can plan for that eventuality. And you know about that, like that potential. Yeah. So you can always make plans of like, have the ability to give them an extra day for just, you know, because they complained. Like, I, I hesitate mean, to like, say anything on air because they're going to listen and then know to write <laughs> in with the discount code. Jelly told me I could do this. I'm, this is why I'm saying it because you don't have to, you don't have to commit to things that I've said. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, you are right. And that is something I'm planning. Like my system, I've been able to credit users since day one of launching my slope server stuff. So like, yeah, that's totally. A thing right. I just do. If someone writes in and they have a bad experience, I'm like, I'm sorry, have a free day pass or whatever. Yeah. A, I'm not suggesting that that's something that you must do. And therefore, like, everybody should write in. <laughs> Discount code JELLY2018. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Independence Jelly said so. This one's on Jelly. <laughs> this one's on Jelly. No, th th like, it's not a thing that, like, it's not a thing that you have to do. And it's certainly not a thing that, like, it could also be mistaken. Like, hearing us say that could be mistaken as, like, oh, well, it's just, like, that's the easy way of like okay well the easy way to give like to like satiate like complainers is to give them something free 
Well, yeah, that is actually... <laughs> if they're writing to me to complain about price, lowering the price by giving them something for free makes them happy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've definitely mitigated problems by giving people promo codes. Yeah. It's a thing. That's part of what you can do with that stuff, and it's totally fine. That is one way of, like, one really easy and obvious kind of way to kind of satiate anybody who does have a problem with it. It is a little bit harder if it's something uh, more... If it's something that you can't backtrack on. Yeah. When you're making fundamental changes to the app, it's not like you want to be able to like make it so that people go back. I mean, there are apps that do that. Sure. And, like Photoshop is like it's famous for the fact that it's basically got every almost every feature that it's ever shipped with still bundled into it somehow. And like some of them are like terrible and it's full of code that is legacy and stuff like that, but it's all there to bring people along and to satiate people who, you know, they want stuff. Yeah, it's part of their workflow. But at at a certain point Depending on the app that you make, I guess, and depending on the stuff that you the the stuff that you ship, at a certain point you got to question whether or not like it's worth holding on to that stuff. Well, yeah, like my timeline editor, like it would be stupid if I kept the old version of the timeline editor alongside the newer, more powerful one. Mm, right. Or this in-app purchase change, like it's going to be detrimental to my business if I keep the trip pass around yeah. just to keep older people happy. And then this bundle thing is here too. And not only that, I'm also then completely complicating the decision process to make a purchase. Yeah. So like yeah. there is a point where you kind of have to stick to your guns and be like, you know what? This is the change. Worst case, absolute worst yeah. case, I can roll it back. But yep. you kind of got to commit to it and not go wishy-washy and be like, well, I'll ship like half of the change. And I yep. think of like some apps sometimes I'll see that do like a lifetime unlock purchase. But then they also offer a subscription. It's like they're trying to satiate <laughs> two groups right. of people. And I understand they're, you know, maybe there is a big market for that. Uh, the lifetime unlocks might still be a thing. But it's it can be difficult when you're not just kind of picking a path forward. But I think it's also really smart that you're at least looking at your data and not just going on a hunch. Yeah. Thank God I wrote sync. I never thought I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> but thank God I wrote sync. But that gives you so much more at least confidence in the path that you're going to choose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The numbers are really backing up the ideas. Um, it's just a matter of making sure I don't pick the wrong price points. Yeah. But so we're we're talking about satiating users and you know making them happy and stuff like that. And it's not just throwing free money at them because that's a very limited resource that we have as indies. Money is hard. Yes. So there are other things we can do. And I want to unpack two kind of ways to communicate these changes to users or two categories of ways. The first one I consider is kind of internal inside your app uh, messaging. So for example, I'll, I'll kick that off with like one thing I always do is I have a what's new screen in app. I don't rely on the app store release notes. I'll copy and paste everything there. But nobody freaking reads those. So anytime there's a major change that I think people will like, I include part of my migration script, add something to that what's new screen. And if there's something there, it pops it up. And that way they could see all the major changes that happened since the last time they launched the app, which might be a month or it might be two years. So for example, in this one, I don't know how I'm going to call it out in a sentence and a half and not like a full page ad. It's going to be a lot of fun wordsmithing, but I'm going to call out the fact that like, hey, the trip pass was replaced with this bundle idea. Check it out. So at least users become aware of the change and it's not a surprise when they go to use it. Yeah. But even that is kind of limited. So this, I think, is a harder case because I'm making a very large change, not just a new feature. Like I'm changing and there's a lot to communicate. But have you two had any success with like in-app messaging or maybe any favorite apps you have that do in-app messaging very well for communicating change to users? We were allowed one final update for the existing apps and we had a deadline to <laughs> do it so what we did was 
have our, our owl, Gus the owl, pops up with a gift and looks and like so, you're trying to write a letter. Would you like yeah. assistance with that? <laughs> no, he's not clippy. I swear, I swear. Um, but it just opens up a page and it before it does that, it checks a file on our server that says, "Is this new app available yet? Mm. If so, you know, redirect to the new app. If not, then here's an email, um, you know, contact form that you can sign up for, and we'll let you know when something cool is ready." Okay. So we're at the very least, uh, in terms of migrating them from, you know, our existing apps. Like we have something in place for when our new app is ready to at least direct them there. Yeah. And that's all we were given really for the final update. I'm trying to think of examples that of, of stuff that I've done that is good. I can't think of anything specifically that is like I'm the that I'm happy with. Was there anything that was really bad? Those are good lesson points. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there's anything bad. It's just like it's just like some of the messaging that I do it tends to be a bit half-hearted and it's because my focus is elsewhere mm. and to sort of flip it around, I, like talking about like onboarding and presenting messages at the beginning and make, like making them flip through things. As a general rule, I'm really against it. Oh, yeah. They don't read that stuff. I don't read it, and that's how I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't read it. I, one of the classic examples that I have of that is that for my iPhone, I downloaded like a little drawing app. And uh, this was at the time just after like paper had come out. And so it was really cool to make a drawing app now that had like just the tools that you had, like poking out of the bottom of the screen and then like everything else's gestures, mm-hmm. gesture-based interfaces. Whew. Oh boy. <laughs> and so the app, of course, like with gesture-based interfacing, you have to kind of explain it at some point. Like how are people yeah. going to know otherwise? And the app had a little short flip through thing of like, you know, here's how you do this and here's how you erase and here's how you do all these things. And I went tap, 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 done, mm-hmm. try to draw. <laughs> and then like was very confused when I couldn't figure out how to erase things. And so, like, yeah, I, I I tend to find problem with with onboarding, and I then therefore have have kind of failed miserably at doing any of it because I try to stay away as much from it as much as possible. I I feel like the best way to do things, and uh, I I know that t- technically, uh, Curtis, this is your example and not mine, so I'm stealing it. So sucked in is Instagram. Instagram, uh, for all of its good things and bad things, um, one of the things that it does really well is the stories stuff and introducing new stuff to stories. Yeah. And I bring that up not because, like, having the in-app messaging, having an internal messaging and having it be a thing of, like, you know, using stories to show new features of stories, very matter, very, very cool, good on your Instagram. But it's also, like, the repeatability of it is really good. Yeah. It doesn't go away immediately after you've watched it. You can watch it again, and it's that's great. It's like release notes that people actually read. <laughs> it's fun. Well, it's also it's also that, like, if you missed it or if you weren't paying attention, you can yeah. go back. It's you still can, there. Like, it's still there. It doesn't go away, and that sort of, that sort of thing is important. Which so, is great for, like, a tutorial. Like, you're saying, like, oh, you didn't know how to erase... Like, if they had something like stories where there's been times I'll see, like, stories when they release polls or something like that. And I'm like, what what the hell? How how did I do that? And, like, I can just go back and, like, tap through it really quick. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one of the most important things with internal messaging. So it's not so much, like, an example as, like, a if you're going to do in-app messaging for, like, here's a new thing or here's a thing that's changed or whatever... The ability to go back and read it and read it again and read it again, if that's ha- if that's what it takes, I find that to be key. And that's one of the biggest problems with onboarding is that the screen shows up at the beginning. Yeah. And they just want to get into the app. Mm-hmm. And then some people yep. will put, put it like they'll bury like the onboarding back, like a, a link to the onboarding screen. Under settings or something. Yeah. But nobody finds that stuff. So it's it's onboarding is 
I consider to be bad. Uh, if if you were going to do in-app messaging, it needs to feel natural to the app and it should be repeatable, not something that just like pops up and is like, hey, I've got a thing. And then, oh, like, where, where, yeah. where, hang on, where did you go? Well, that's why I'll try and balance like my what's new onboarding thing is just like quick bullet points, basically. So it can catch their eye with an icon like eh, spoilers. I'm launching Instagram story support soon. And it's just going to be like, oh, post your data Instagram stories. And like, that's the line in my what's new thing. So it's like quick glanceable if they dismiss it. It, no worry there's still a what's new tab under my settings that they can see the full release notes mm. but i'm hoping then to at least i'm using it more not so much to tutorialize it because i feel like onboarding tutorials tend not to work but it's more that i will do it just to like bring marketing attention to that new feature mm. and bring awareness to that feature to get people to start adopting it yeah that tends to be more how i'm looking at the onboarding stuff because otherwise yeah it's not it's not a good tutorial spot. Yeah, absolutely. Onboarding in general is something I like half struggle with because for adults versus kids, like the kids will just touch everything and figure it out immediately. Yeah. And then the, the parents will just be like, well, everything is locked. Do I have to pay more money? I'm like, no, you've already purchased it. Why do you have to do that? You just have to pass the lesson as you your kid has already figured it out. <laughs> and, and like we purposely kept it without <laughs> onboarding text because... It wasn't meant for the adults, but I, I realized, you know, after this many years, we have to address that, especially in this new version. Like, we just have to satisfy both uh, users somehow. Right. Yeah. But even in that situation, I feel like onboarding is the wrong answer. Like, onboarding is very rarely the right answer, in all honesty. In that particular case, like, you can have both a screen that sh- it allows people to touch immediately, straight away, which is great for the kids. Mm-hmm but also some kind of messaging that goes along with it that says, like, complete level to move on to the next level. Like, it's it, it, this is not really good, very good words. I'm <laughs> not very good at the words. But you, you get the gist. Yeah, right, like it's, right, it's, right. it's better to have something that's there that people can see constantly or consistently right. mm-hmm. and be able to read again when they're confused. Yeah. Part of the problem with the onboarding, in that, in that situation, it's like if you popped up a screen that said, like, you know, to unlock all the levels, like you have to proceed through them or whatever, people would tap through that and it would be gone. It never comes back. Right. When you're guiding people through changes, you have to plan for the fact that they might not care until they do care. Like, that's the the problem here. Have you two had any luck with externally communicating these changes? So I'm thinking of taking all the people who have bought a day or a trip pass in the past. I have their email addresses. And emailing them in a couple weeks, just really brief email explaining like, you know, trying to get hype for the season, but at the same time be like, ooh, exciting new change, better value type of thing. And I'm thinking of doing email. And in the past, some of the other ones I've done, like the Twitter uh, gifs I've talked about in the past, like short video basically on Twitter. But Slopes doesn't have a ton of followers on Facebook or Twitter. So like those are always kind of eh for me. I'm trying Instagram stories this year. We'll see how that goes. But have you two had any luck with educating people via some kind of external resource from the app itself? Yeah, it wasn't like a natural thing just because it's like a new app. Like it's a press release, right? Or so that we just automatically sent it out to everybody. Yeah. And again, I feel like I'm avoiding your question because it's it wasn't a change. It was a brand new app. So sure. it was a valid way to go. But so yeah, so you sent out a newsletter mm-hmm. item. And did that communicate the change well, do you think? Or was that mostly ignored by users, same as onboarding, stuff like that? Um, no, I think it it worked well. Our email list is users who have are not necessarily Gus on the go users, like app users. They're just the ones that have come in through our website and have downloaded some of our free stuff. So it's more like leads. 
um, and I'll send it out anyway. And so, I mean, for the people who happen to be in like users and have used our stuff on the web, then yes, like those are the ones I heard it the loudest and we're very excited about um, the new app. Yeah, I think like things like the email thing and uh, sending out newsletters and stuff works really well, not just for the new apps, but it probably will work pretty well for bigger changes, like really fundamental changes, especially if you've got a newsletter uh, thing of people who are actually interested in the app. They might be interested in the the changes that you're making, like, you know, mm. in your case, like with, with the upcoming, uh, with Gus 3, you're going to have all the languages on the one app. You you'll probably find that that your users will be interested like after that app has been released and down the line. Once you start adding new languages and stuff like that, that still will warrant like a yeah. hey, we're gonna have we're adding three new languages or whatever. I, like so, I, I feel like that's you know that's still a legitimate thing mm-hmm. for my stuff. I. <laughs> I don't really collect people's email addresses and stuff like that. Like I try to stay away from that as much as possible. But one of the things that I've done uh, that I've sort of picked up doing more recently is to not to the level that you do, Curtis, but to like tease stuff through Twitter and through my social uh, stuff. I don't necessarily at this point go down the track of like, you know, I'm going to design it and you're all going to like watch (laughs) me. So suffer through it. Wait, are you saying you suffer as you watch my designs? <laughs> it's painful. Curtis. I don't want to say it, Curtis, but uh <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, I don't. It's it's not true. It's okay, Curtis. You've got a pretty good design. I am okay with it. There are ca- there are cases where I'm like, oh, oh buddy, oh buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember but some of those you DMs. Okay. <laughs> I've started messing about with like just sharing screenshots and the occasional video of like here is a new feature that I've mm. been working on. I'm really excited about it, and it's just it's just that sort of thing of like trying to get other people excited about it because if other people are excited about it, then they're not going to have problems with it, and they're going to use mm. it and they're going to share it with people, and that's sort of the approach that I've taken. Uh, whether or not that wor- has worked is anybody's real guess because i don't have any uh i don't have any way of tracking that at this point, yeah but it's kind of the problem i have but look i i feel like it's worked uh it, it's worked okay and i feel like uh, the more the, the better a following that you have the better that sort of thing is going to work so that i guess is where my focus is getting more people to follow me follow me on twitter <laughs> <laughs> please 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 <laughs> please Wow. Okay, on that shameless note, <laughs> um, I think I'm going to wrap us there. Yeah, let's talk about where you can find us on Twitter. No, so yeah, I, I, I seriously, though, uh, I'm going to wrap us there. I think that's a pretty good overview of the things that we've tried for kind of guiding users as we change our apps, uh, which is inevitable. So if you would like to reach out to us, you can do so at hello at independence.fm. Uh, if you're a spam bot, you can use our contact form at <laughs> independence.fm. We really good at that. We've been enjoying the uptick of spam bots hitting that. Yep. Thanks, Jelly. Work on those filters. And if you would like to find us on Twitter, please don't spam us. You can find us there. We occasionally hang out and have fun there. Uh, you can find me as at parrots. That's the plural of the bird. I'm eat a duck I must. And I am jelly bean soup. And we will talk to you all again in two weeks. Have a good day.